Let's look at Mark chapter 9 this morning. If the Lord allows me to live to this Thursday, uh, it'll be 22 years uh, since I bowed on my knees and asked the Lord to save me. And uh, I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus is just as real this morning as it was then. It's just as fresh, and, uh, and God's still saving sinners. And, and if you're here this morning, you're lost, He'll save you just like He saved me. The Bible says He's no respecter of persons. That means He's not impressed by people's titles and positions in this world or their possessions. But the Lord is a respecter of your soul. And he wants you to be saved. And if you are saved this morning, he wants to give you help. And, uh, and I hope the Word of God can do that this morning. It will uh, if you allow it to. Let's look here in Mark chapter 9. We're just going to read a few verses, uh, beginning in verse number 14. If you're able and willing, would you stand with us this morning? I respect the Word of God. I do want to say this. I want to thank everybody that helped with the Christmas, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, Christmas service on Wednesday night. I thought it was excellent. I've had a lot of people uh, that have listened to it, not just that were here, but have listened to it, and they messaged me and told me what a blessing it was, and for all the ones that sang and practiced, and, and I want to thank my wife uh, for kind of uh, heading that up, and, and I appreciate my wife. She does a lot that people don't know about. Um, she does a lot here at the church people don't know about. She never asked for any recognition or honor, but I thank the Lord for her. I'd be a mess, and, and I'll be honest, we, we'd all be in a mess if it weren't for Miss Kim. Um, but Mark chapter 9, verse 14, let's get to the Word of God. The Bible says, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them, and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit, and wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto to me. Father, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus and I ask that, Lord, you'd help me. Lord, again, I stand here in a place, Lord, that I could and I have failed you, Lord, but I don't desire to fail you. And I pray, Lord, right now you'd empty me of myself and any type of vain, Lord, thing that might be in my heart or my mind. And Lord, you might fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray you'd take the Word of God and I pray, Lord, you'd lift it off the pages this morning and you'd preach it to my heart and the heart of those that are here. And I pray, Father, for that one that's here that may feel, Lord, as if they're at their wit's end, Lord, and they have nowhere to go. I pray they look to this story and they take courage and they take hope, Lord, that you're a God that can and can and a God that will if we'll just trust you and lean on you. Lord, we love you this morning. I thank you again for allowing me to stand and preach in this sacred place. Help me now, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want you to look in verse number 19. This story we read, you can find it also in Matthew chapter number 17 and, that, and verses 14 through 20 and Luke chapter 9, I believe in verse 37 through 43. It's one of, uh, not all the miracles do we have it in all the synoptic gospels, but this is one. And in every one, the same phrase you'll find 
in verse number 19. The Bible says, He answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Bring him unto me. And the Lord helping me this morning, I want to preach on that thought. Bring him unto me. I'm thankful this morning that we have a God who is a burden-lifting God. Amen? I'm glad that we can bring Him anything at any time, and He will in no wise cast us out. The Lord looks at this situation. Now I want you to remember that He had just come off of the Mount of Transfiguration. There he transfigured. He he that word transfigure means to metamorphose. It means like a butterfly. He let his glory come through, and the disciples saw him there. And on that mount of transfiguration, they uh, saw him for who he was. And Peter wanted to stay. He said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's build a temple for Moses and a temple for Elijah and a temple for you. And let's just stay here. But Jesus said, we can't stay here. We must go. And why did Jesus have to go? Because Jesus knew in the valley there was a little boy that the devil had ruined his life. And we'll say in the Christian life, we can't just live on the mountain. We can't just stay in the glory. There's people down in the valley that need us to come to them and give them help and give them hope. Jesus looks at this daddy. He looks at these men, these disciples. He looks at this crowd and he says, bring that boy to me. I can do something for him. Amen. This morning I thought about this this week and as we end this year and, and, and go into another year, I'm afraid that many of us this morning are carrying some of the same problems now that we did when the year began. We've tried to fix it ourselves. We've tried to uh, treat it ourselves. And yet the boy has still got the same problem. They had done everything they could for this child. They had tried to help him. And finally the Lord says, if you want to find help, if you want this boy to be helped, you must bring him to me. I want to say to you this morning, if we continue to carry these burdens and these things in our life, for another year, guess what? This time next year, if the Lord don't come back, they're not going to change. In fact, this boy got worse as time went on, not better. And listen to this morning, I want to say, just as Jesus said to them, bring it to Him. Bring our burdens to the Lord. Amen. Aren't you thankful this morning that we can bring our problems and our troubles and our issues to Him and leave it there? That old song says, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden up to the Lord and leave it there. I'm glad that as a 16-year-old boy, I took my sin to the Lord. Amen. And I left it there. I said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And I left it there. And can I say things have been different? Things have changed since that day. But I'm glad that over the last 22 years, I've had to take a lot of other things to Him. I've had to take people to Him. Say, Lord, I can't help them. I can't get through to them. They're not listening to me, and I've had to leave them there. And I've seen the Lord take and change them and save them and turn them around as well. There's been problems, there's been issues, there's been things. I've had four children since I got saved. Hopefully, that's it. Amen. I'm retired, done. Amen. I'm anyway, but anyhow, I'll be careful what I say right there. But 
I've had to take those babies and leave them there. You know, my mama used to tell me that when I was a little boy, how she gave me to the Lord when I was just a baby. She, she laid me on the altar and said, He's yours. And I've heard that and I thought, well, sure, that's what every parent does. And, but you know, when they're yours, it's a lot harder to let them go. But just like Moses, his mother had to lay that baby in that ark there in that river in the bulrushes. I've had to take my little children and lay them in the hands of God and say, Lord, only you, only you can help them with what they need. Jesus said, bring them to me. I can help him. Oh, listen, this morning, I don't know what it is that's on your heart. I've got several things on mine. But this morning, what we ought to do if we want to have a better year in the year to come than we have in the year that's gone by is if we would bring it to Him and leave it there. Bring Him unto me. I want you to just look at a couple of things this morning. In verse 14 through 16, I want you to see this. I want you to notice the failure, the failure of the disciples. Now listen, the failure of the disciples. Now, when we read the Bible, we look at these men, Peter and James and, and these disciples, and, and it's almost like we think they're in another class than we are. Now, don't get, don't get me wrong. They were apostles chosen by God. They had a role. I understand that. But guess what they were? They were people just like we are. You know... In our minds, it's almost like we think they always, they always did what was right. They always made the right choice. That everything they did was good and turned out right. But we find in this story, the disciples failed to help this little boy out. That man said, Lord, I brought him to your disciples. And they could not cast him out. But David didn't say they would not. It said they could not. They wanted to get, oh, how could you be so hard-hearted to look at this young man and his body was riveted and torn by the devil, foam running out of his mouth, pining away, wasting away, roaring and crying and not have compassion. And they said, Lord, we tried, we prayed, we did all we could do, but the boy is just as bad as he was before. And there are some of us, if we'd be honest, that we need to bring our failures to the Lord instead of trying to justify them and trying to make excuse for them and try to act as if there's some other excuse or some other explanation. These men had failed in helping this boy out. They were powerless Christians. You know, as a preacher, it, it, it burdens my heart because there's been times I stood and preached and I knew there were people there that were lost and needed to be saved. And I tried my best and I preached my hardest, but I could not help them. And I failed to get through to them. And there's things that you failed at as well. There's things that we have all failed at. We failed as a church in some matters. And I, and I think about our nation is failing today. Uh, and there's preachers that are failing and, and church members that are failing and moms that are failing and dads that are failing. And what we need to do is bring it to Him. Because He never has failed. Amen. 
and he never will. But thank God that these men, uh, they can bring their failures unto the Lord. The failure of the disciples. I want you to see this quickly. There's, I want you to notice there was no respect from the scribes. Verse 16, it says they questioned with them. What do you think the scribes were questioning about? They were asking them, how come you couldn't cast them out? Now follow me. Listen to me. Your critics will never be louder than when you fail. The scribes did not like the disciples. And they saw this, huh? Now, now mind you, they've been witnessing all these miracles one after other. <coughs> and they saw this situation and they said, hey, we're going to go ask them what happened. What happened? I thought y'all were following the real Savior. I thought He was the Messiah. I thought He was the Son of God. I thought He was the one chosen of God, anointed by God. I thought you said He was the one, the Messiah, the Master, the Lord, and yet you can't cast them out. Why? Can you explain to me why you can't help this boy? Charles Spurgeon? No, it wasn't Charles Spurgeon. It was the late, great Babe Ruth. The Honorable Babe Ruth. He said the loudest critics... Sit in the cheapest seats. And did you know in the Christian life, if we try to do anything for God, there's always going to be some people that stand around and stand by and watch for us to fail. These men had failed and the, the scribes weren't going to allow this opportunity to go by without letting them know they had failed. I want to say this, don't be a scribe. Don't be that person. If somebody sings and they miss a note, don't be the one that says, well, you tried your best. You know? If the preacher preaches and he messes up and mispronounces a name and maybe he doesn't say Mephibosheth right or, or Bartholomew right or, or Zephaniah, well, listen, I'd like for you to get up and read some of the names we have to read. Adonai and Jeconai and Zechonai and Rabbanai and, and, and Nehemiah and all them boys, it gets hard. And there's always one that says, <laughs> you said this, let me, let me help you with this. I believe it was, I can't remember one of our preachers was preaching here recently. I believe it, I know it was, I ain't going to call his name. I don't want to embarrass him, but he's not. Anyway, I'm going to be careful because I'm going to give it away. But anyhow, he preached and, and he said he got done and a little lady come to him and he said, you done pretty good, but you need to work on finishing better. <laughs> he told me about that and he, he said I, I said what did you say he said well yep I need to work on finishing better <laughs> he handled it better than I would have I'm saying this this morning that the, in the failure of the disciples we found there was no respect from the scribes in verse 18 we see they had no results in their service it says they could not they could not nothing is more disturbing for a disciple of Christ than not being able to see the results that you think you should see. Did you know that many people, here's why they don't ever try to do anything for the Lord. They're afraid of failing. Well, I've never done that before. I've never, I've never, I've never sung before. I've never taught a lesson before. I've never visited before. I've never told anybody about the Lord before. I've never witnessed before. I've never shared my testimony before. And I'm afraid that if I were to, I might say something wrong. I may do something wrong. I might fail. These men, they didn't see no results in their service. The old saying is, it's better to have tried and failed 
unto a field of tried. Did you know that these men, though, follow me? Listen, the disciples weren't the only ones that couldn't help this boy out. Nobody else had been able to either. But at least they tried. You understand what I'm saying? At least they tried. I, I thought about that little boy that he was on the beach and them turtles was trying to uh, get to that water. Them little baby turtles was everywhere. And that little boy was rushing and grabbing them and throwing them in and grabbing them and throwing them in. I mean, there was thousands and thousands and thousands of them little turtles and the seagulls were coming down and were snatching them up and eating them for breakfast. And that little boy was uh, grabbing them and throwing them in. And a man said, boy, you'll never be able to save them all. And he reached down and picked one up and he said, nope, but I saved that one. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and listen, we're going to fail. I'm going to fail. You're going to fail. But aren't you glad when we fail and we don't see the results that we want that we can bring it to him and he'll let us leave it at his feet. But why did they fail? Verse 19 tells us, he says, oh, faithless generation. Verse 29, they come back to Jesus and they said, verse 28, they said, Lord, why could we not, not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind cometh not by, forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I want to say this quickly. How, why could they not cast him out? Because they lacked confidence in the Lord. He said they were faithless. Maybe they had confidence in themselves. I don't know. I don't know why, why they, they lost faith for a moment. I remember, now, now perhaps it was because the three leaders of them was up on the mountain with the Lord, Peter, James, and John. And, and I don't know. But for some reason, somehow, they lost their confidence in the Lord. Did you know this morning, if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. We'll lose our faith in the Lord and our confidence in Him. Oh, listen, this morning, I don't want the Lord to look at me and say, oh, faithless generation. How could they not have faith after all they had seen Him do? They had watched Him walk on water. They had witnessed Him raising the dead. They had seen Him open blinded eyes. They had heard Him command spirits to leave and they left, but yet they still lost their faith in the Lord. And listen, this morning we've seen the Lord do great things among us and in our own lives. We've seen Him perform miracles, answer prayers, help save souls, deliver, and come through time and time and time again. But if we lose faith for one moment, we'll be back where these disciples are. But they also lacked a commitment to the Lord. He said, this kind coming forth but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. In case you didn't know, that takes some commitment. I don't know where the line is in, 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 in to get to, to be glutton, but I feel like I'm, teetered, I'm, I'm tiptoeing it here the last few days. We had two pecan pies donated to the, to the, to the family, to my family. We've, we've eaten them. We had a pumpkin pie donated. The Amish brought us a pecan pie. We've had, and, and I almost feel like, Brother David, I'm, I'm on the line. I don't know where that line is. I hope I never figure it out, but, but it's close. We've eaten ham. We've eaten, I mean, we've eaten good. 
all the snacks. Everybody brought us summer, so, I mean, everything. And, and if there's anything that, that I don't like to do, is I don't like to not eat. Do you? And in order to fast, that means that somebody has willingly and of their own volition and of their own choosing has said, I choose not to eat so I can seek the Lord. And, and he says, the reason you could not cast him out, the reason you could not help him, because there was no prayer and there was no fasting. What he was telling them is, he says, you are not committed enough to seeing this boy set free. Here's what most of us want. We want to live a casual Christian life. We want to live a half-hearted Christian life. We want to live with just a little, just a little commitment and a little sacrifice and reap the benefits of being a sold-out Christian. But that boy there, that's lying on the ground, foaming at the mouth. He's going to stay that way as long as we treat Christi- our, our Christianity as a take it or leave it thing. Jesus said if you had prayed and fasted, if you had had faith, you could have cast them out. But because you were faithless, because you did not pray, because you did not fast, He says you could not cast them out. Our, our, our nation, our, our state, our area, here where we are, is covered in churches. Does everybody agree? How come we can't cast them out? How come people can come in and leave and never be changed? How come people can sit on our pews and they feel just as comfortable as if they were at the movie theater at the ball game and there's no conviction, there's no fear of God, there's no power. Why? Because of no faith and no prayer and no fasting. The failure of the disciples. John R. I said this. He said every one of our failures is a prayer failure. Listen, we treat prayer as a last resort in our lives. As if we're going to do everything else we can uh, before. And then if all else fails, then we'll pray. Uh, How come we've got to wait until they call us and say we can't help them anymore? How come we've got to wait till the doctors have done their tests and and they've given the medicine and they've done the x-rays and the treatment and then we start praying? The failure... Of the disciples. Verse 17, the Bible says, He said, Master, I brought unto thee my son which hath a dumb spirit. Wherever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to the disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Look at verse 20, and they brought him unto him, and when they saw him, straightway the spirit tear him. And let me say this. The devil will never fight you more than when you're about to do something for the Lord. As they brought him to Christ, the Spirit tear him. And you look up that word tear, it's the same where the Bible talks about the veil was rent in twain. It meant that Spirit, what was that evil Spirit trying to do? He was trying to tear him apart before he could get to Jesus. And listen to me, if you're, if you're in a place in your life where you're trying to draw nigh to God and seek the Lord and get close to Him, you need to be aware the devil will fight you harder then than at any other time. 
But we said the failure is not, I want you to see the fierceness of the devil. The devil is not some fellow running around with, with, with uh, horns and a pitchfork. You understand? He's not some uh, uh, cartoon character, but he is a real and a fierce foe. Did you know what the devil does? He robes himself in garments of innocence. He, 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 he comes to us and it seems that he's innocent. It seems that he's harmless. It seems that, uh, it seems that there's no real threat in him. And listen, what he'll do? He'll lay dormant. Uh, he'll lie dormant. Uh, and listen, I read this story. This man, he, he was driving up the road going home, a farmer. And there was a viper uh, laying there in the road. It was cold. Uh, it was frozen. And that old viper was laying there and couldn't move. And that farmer felt bad for it. I feel bad for the farmer. Amen. I don't care if that snake's cold, hot, warm. I'm running over it three or four times. Amen. Making sure it's dead. Uh, but he said, I'm going to get out. And he got out and he picked it up. And that thing was frozen solid. And he stuck it down in his shirt pocket, Brother David. And he went home. And he went there and he got home. And he was fixing him some supper. And he sat down. And in a little bit, that snake in there, he got to getting warmer and warmer. He got to feeling better. And all of a sudden, he bit the guy right on the throat. An old farmer pulled that snake out and he was, I mean, he was dying, you know. He was dying. And listen, all snakes are deadly. They may not all be venomous, but they're all deadly. They are. Heart attacks, strokes, things like that. But he pulled that viper out and he was about to die. He said, I saved you. He said, he said, why'd you bite me? He said, well, he said, I guess it's just my nature. Do you know what the devil will do? He'll lie in the pocket. He'll lay there and he'll make you think he's innocent and he's not going to hurt you, but you better be sure he'll take opportunity to strike you when you least expect it. The fierceness of the devil. In verse 17, we see the dumbing of Satan. Now, this isn't talking about your mother in law, but this is, it says, and one of the disciples, one of the multitude answered said, Master, I have brought thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. A dumb spirit. That doesn't mean ignorant, but it means unable to speak. This spirit had locked his lips. Have you ever met anybody who had locked jaw? Anybody? Am I the only one? Man. There was a fellow in our church growing up, he had lockjaw. He got cut on a, a rusty fence or something, and I guess he never had a tetanus shot, and he couldn't open his mouth. He, I mean, he could barely open his mouth, and he couldn't understand uh, anything he said. And, and, and this boy, he couldn't speak. He had been silenced by this spirit. Did you know that's what the devil wants to do to you and I? He wants to lock our lips. He wants to shut our mouths. He wants to keep us from crying out. The sin nature has silenced the sinner's lips so that he will not cry out to the Lord for help. Listen to me this morning. How foolish is it for someone to go to hell and never call on the Lord for salvation? Why? Because the devil's silenced their lips. I'm afraid that same spirit has infected the church where we don't want to say anything. 
about anything to anyone because why? We're afraid that they might be offended. I want to ask you something. The hardest people for us to talk to about the Lord, who is it? It's our family, our friends. It is. But I want to ask you something. Had you rather offend your family member and tell them how to be saved or go to the judgment and watch them go to hell unoffended? That old song says, when in a noble land before the throne we stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be if any lost one there should cry in deep despair. You never mention him to me. You never mention him to me. This boy was silenced by the spirit of Satan. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to the sinner. About the time they call out, they want to call out on the Lord. He'll hush their mouth and say, don't do that don't do that how many times uh, if you're here you're saved how many times before you got saved were you in a church service and the invitation was given and your old heart was pounding and your old throat was swelling shut and you said I'm going to go and today I'm going to get saved I'm going to get saved and the devil says shh don't you do it don't do it no no not now the dumbing of Satan verse 18 you see the destruction of Satan it says, and where shall we taketh him? He teareth him. You know, the devil wants people to think that, that they're carrying him. But the truth is, he's the one that's carrying them. It says, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth. And pineth away. And pineth away this boy he 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 foamed out he foamed out at the mouth like a dog like a like a mad dog foam ran up from his mouth he gnashed his teeth and and snarled from his mouth uh, listen it means uh, uh, to gnash the teeth it suggests a shrill cry accompanied by the grinding of the teeth it's like when you get the credit card bill uh, after Christmas amen and you gnash the teeth and cry out and he says uh, listen and that, uh, that he, he had hideous contortions and, and suffering and it says he was pining away. You know what that word pine away means? It means to waste away. To wither. It's used to describe the withering of the grass. And this boy was being destroyed, listen to me, from the inside out. The devil, he gets into your life and he will never... Listen, the devil is never satisfied with, it, with what you give him. <clears throat> Once he gets into one area of your life, guess what he'll do? He'll pop his head up in another area of your life. And then it's another area of your life. And another area of your life. And listen, he was pining away. Wasting away. If we could go there right now and look at this boy, he would be a wretched sight for any man to look upon. I'd say he looked like something out of a horror movie. Thin and bones and, and, and eyes sunk in and his teeth no doubt from all that grinding were grinded down and 
No doubt he looked. Have you ever seen someone, when they do, I always check them every week where it has the list where everybody got locked up. Just want to make sure we ain't got no church members on that list. Yeah. Seen a time or two where we had one on there. And that, that, that blessing, Brother David, for a pastor. How many have ever seen those? And you see, and it's a picture of, of Susie Brown, 33 years old. And you look at it and you said, she looks like she's 73. And they get on that stuff, you know. And, 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 and at first, and, and by the way, there's pleasure in sin for a season. I mean, getting drunk will make you feel good for a moment. Smoking dope will take away your pain for a moment. Shooting up, it'll give you a high for a moment. But you know what it does? It causes you to waste away. And pi- he was pining away. We're, listen, our nation is pining away. I saw the other day, they took a statue of Robert E. Lee out of the, out of the, out of the governor's up there in, in Virginia. And, and you just wait. They're not going to stop with that. It'll be Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson. They're going to take it all away because if they can take away our history, then they know they can change our future. And listen, we're watching our nation pine away, pine away. This, I mean, listen, you know I don't like dealing, talking about this. But this, this deal here, they're wanting to give everybody $600. I ain't rich, never pretend to be rich. But you know and I know $600. And, but anyway, but what, what they're wanting to do is they're wanting to put debt on our children that they'll never be able to pay off. And everybody's just eating it up like chick, like candy on Halloween. Oh, I can't wait to get my $600 and go buy a TV or a PlayStation. And guess what? Guess what? It's not going to help anything. I'm kind of a little mad at Trump. What's he thinking? Listen, I say work. Amen? If you need food, work. If you need a light bill, work. If you've got a problem, work. And earn money and pay it off. Amen? (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean to get on that, but here I am. And this is going to France. Somebody in France is going to listen to this. I don't know. But anyhow, I don't know why it's got to do anything. But whoever you are out there in France, I appreciate you joining us today. Whoever you are, bonjour. But I did take French in high school. When I signed up for classes, you had German, Spanish, and French. And they said, which one are you going to take? I said, which one's the easiest? They said, French. I said, sign me up. Move in? Yeah. I remember some of that. Je suis à toilette. That means, can I go to the bathroom? I said that every day. And I go walk around the hallways for 30 minutes till classes up and leave. And the teacher was happy with me walking around. She didn't want me in there either. But, shut up. Oh, anyway. The destruction of Satan. I'm saying this. Can you not see America pining away? The psalmist said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we understand the foundations of America are being destroyed. What are those foundations? Well, the Word of God. 
the Word of God. Make no mistake about it. This nation was founded upon the Word of God. The principles of the Word of God. You know why they're tearing all them monuments down? Because if you look at them, on those monuments is the Word of God. They have verses there. Scripture, our forefathers, they weren't all believers. They weren't all Baptists, but they all had a reverential fear of God. And they had a reverential fear of the Word of God. Listen, the freedom we have, the republic we live in, it's based upon Christian principles. The foundation of the family is being destroyed. I salute, listen to me, I, I salute, I admire, I mean, I, I, I look up to, my grandmother was a single mom who raised my mom and my uncle by herself on a teacher's salary back in the, in the 70s and the 60s, and, and she never asked nobody for nothing, and she didn't. I admire her. I look up to her. I mean, listen, I, you believe me, you believe this, I, I admire that lady. I mean, she left, and she left her son and her daughter a good inheritance. I mean, I, I mean, just scratching, and she worked until she was like 84 years old, 83 years, substitute. She had Alzheimer's, and she was substitute teaching. She, was, she wasn't going to quit. But I'm going to say this, God's perfect plan for the home is one man and one woman for one life and it's a man and a woman. Not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Not a man, a woman and a man or a man, a woman and a woman and a woman and a woman and a man. It's not. Listen, it's God intended for He said for this cause that shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. I'm saying that's a foundation that's being destroyed. The home, the church, I could go on. A lot of churches made a mistake during this old pandemic thing. They incorporated and all this stuff, and they got all this with the government, and now they're on a leash from the government. Uh, I could go on, but this is going to France. They probably need to go eat some crumpets or whatever they do. You know, French bread. Is that what they eat over there, French bread? Croissants. We got those at Burger King. But the destruction of Satan, the direction of Satan. Now, now I, I'm winding her down, and, but we're not winding up. We're going to finish tonight. I wasn't going to do that today, but here we are. I want to ask you something. Who was the devil after in this story? Was it the disciples? Was it the scribes? Did he attack Jesus? No, who was the one he'd come after here? A child. A child. And you can believe this or not, but it's the fact, the truth. The devil wants these children. I'm talking about the fierceness of Satan. Even the most cruel, um, in the most cruel wars and battles and, and over history, people spared children. Even old Hitler and and, 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 and them guys, and, 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 and they, they had mercy on women and children. They did. I want to ask you something. Who's the first one Satan ever come after? It's a woman. And then who's the second? It was a child. Cain. And did you know the devil, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to paint for you this morning, is a picture of how fierce the devil is. 
Listen, he wants to destroy. When other, when other evil and, and, and violent men would spare children and women and, and went over and would allow them to live, that's the first one the devil comes after. Amen. The deafening of Satan. He said he had a deaf spirit. Sin had not only shut his mouth, but Satan had not only shut his mouth, but shut his ears. He couldn't hear. I've seen it. I know Brother Gossip has. These other men will in time as they preach. But you can preach and people will look at you as if they're not even hearing what you're saying. The dedication of Satan. It says in verse 22, in oft times, it oft times, it hath cast into fire. I want to say this. The devil is dedicated to his cause. <clears throat> the Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I believe that, don't you? And drawn out of God, and he'll draw out of you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, there's no temptation taking you, but it's such as common man. But God is faithful. Amen. God is faithful. And with that temptation, he'll also give you a way of escape. I believe that. I believe that. But Brother David... We can resist the devil today and he'll flee from us. But he'll come back tomorrow. Whenever you're tempted, you kids listen to me. If you've never listened to me before, when temptation comes, you better look around and say, Lord, show me the door. Show me the door. There's a door somewhere you can get out. But when you go through that door, guess who's waiting for you on the other side? He is. Oh, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he says, there's a great door and effectual open unto me. He says, but there are and many adversaries. I'm saying the devil's dedicated. Listen to me, I've been fighting him for 22 years and the battle's still raging and I'm still losing some and winning some. But by the grace of God, I want to win more than I lose. But he comes back and he'll come back. He will never stop fighting your marriage. He'll never stop fighting your relationship with the Lord. He'll never stop fighting your commitment to the church. He'll never stop fighting your children. He'll fight and fight and fight. He's dedicated. Verse 25, and I'm done, the defilement of Satan. It says he refute, rebuked the foul spirit. That word foul means corrupt, unclean. This little innocent boy had become defiled by Satan. You know what Satan's goal is before the judgment? He wants to defile as many as he possibly can. This morning, I, I, I don't know why this is how the Lord done this, but this is, here, this is where we are. The Bible says we ought to be sober and be vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That word devour there in 1 Peter 5, you know what that word means? It means to overthrow. <coughs> Did you know it's the same word that's used to describe 
Pharaoh's army when they were overthrown by the Red Sea. Did you know that's the way the devil wants to ruin you? He wants to overthrow you. He wants to overwhelm you. Now listen, that's how temptation is. It comes in in waves. In one wave after another wave after another wave. And you say, Brother James, what can we do? All we can do is what this daddy did is bring it to the Lord and say we can win on our own. We can overcome it but by your help and by your wisdom and power we can have victory. The failure of the disciples. The fierceness of the devil.